HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. A few weeks back, we were asked to participate in the first ever World's Biggest Family Meal, and we were so excited to sit down with Laura Gilmar, Massimo Batura, and talk about their favorite songs and what they love to listen to and what inspires them musically. It's uh, great to see them again, to hear what they've been up to, and it was an absolute blast. So thank you to the whole team who put it together. We're looking forward to the next one. And please, 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 if you want to have more information about it, search out World's Biggest Family Meal to stay connected. Then we're going into the archives for a great performance from Drama, the duo has some new music coming out, and you know we just saw an announcement that L.A. is getting back into live music, and we couldn't be happier. The sun is shining. We got vaccines going into arms, so stay safe, wear your mask, socially distance, sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes on HRN. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Is this the end of us? Is this the end of love? I guess. 
you've arrived just in time for dun 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 snacky tunes with greg and darren these twins they were my brothers my brothers from another mother at heritage radio network where word of mouth first started you know not everyone knows this but that is we we started off in the humble back of roberta's pizza in bushbrook brooklyn in a shipping container at heritage radio network that's how i got my start so i met these two dudes and it's so amazing to get greg and darren together for a conversation with Massimo and Laura and Charlie about your top five songs. We're gonna send this playlist afterwards, but we're gonna talk about the songs and the inspiration because, because the thing is what, what you may or may not know about Massimo and Laura is Laura introduced Massimo to the wider world of art that contains the food. Yeah. <laughs> and so and music is a huge part of their lives. So I take it away. Hey, good to see you two again. Hey, guys. Hey, you guys. So we only have a little bit of time, uh, and we have a mixture of songs and records from you. So we're going to start with Billie Holiday. 
which you sent. We're wow. gonna mix it up a bit because of uh, Autumn in New York is one of the first uh, new songs you and I talked about forever ago, but you gave us a different one. Uh, what is the Billie Holiday song that you put as your essential Billie Holiday and why? Uh, there's so many, you know, you can't say, you have to, you, we have to talk about uh, how Billie Holiday was singing. That's the point. It's not about one song or another. It's how she sings the sounds of the imperfection of her voice that makes a difference, you know, because she was singing her life. So every single recording on stage was something extremely special because uh, probably the night before she was like in big trouble and uh, who knows uh, where she was, but uh, you know, so the, the way she was expressing one song or another, she was singing her life. That's the difference between her and many other amazing singer that at the, at the end, at the end, they didn't, they don't transfer emotion to you. She was transfer more than emotions, you know? And that's what uh, Billie Holiday hears to me. Now, uh, we've all been spending a lot of time at home in the last year and our, our thoughts and, and prayers go out to everyone in Italy who's gone back into lockdown. And one of the songs that you picked was, and if I butcher the Italian, I'm so sorry, but Bella Ciao. Had yeah, of course. But Bella Ciao, Bella Ciao is, I rediscovered Bella Ciao during the pandemic. Exactly. Because, you know, La Casa Money del Heist. Papel. Let's oh, all just say it, Money Heist. I was a paper, you know, is Bella Ciao is the essence of, uh, of growing up in Emilia Romagna. You know, growing up in Emilia Romagna, is so you have to be social because you learn since you're a kid if you stay together we you have to be you got to be more powerful your voice is going to be heard everywhere if you by yourself you just you can scream whatever you want but no one is going to hear but if you're together you know you're stronger think about the artist Joseph Boyce he was looking at you and saying we are the revolution we are the revolution because we change everything. You know, uh, we when we start uh, uh, Food for Soul, uh, we were thinking, oh, we're gonna change the world. But you know, even if you change your own neighbor, you're gonna you you you're, you're gonna, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel so good because if I do that and you're gonna do that and uh, lady is gonna do that, we're gonna change the world all together. But it's about us. It's not about me or you. All together. A bella ciao is this. Ciao. Yeah, do, we're just, and everyone just wants to hear you sing a little bit of it to the best of your ability. Oh, Capitano, portami via. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. Oh, Capitano, portami via. Che arrivato l'invasor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so your that is your hero song. Your next choice, which I think speaks to Darren and I in our days of New York, is Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground, New York. Just the whole record. Just the the whole uh, record. It's enough. Okay. It's. I have a memory in a loft at like four a.m. and someone put on the song Heroin and everyone went silent. And it's the most New York moment. What is it about that record that speaks to you? What is so, it about that? No, wait, that wait. Sound? I'm like, okay, 
First, I picked Sunday morning. I mean, okay. Nico, 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 Nico. Okay. But wow. I switched to New York because, because uh, Halloween party. Because last time I was in New York, it was Halloween, and we had to set up a party for Barolo in Italy, whatever. And we were walking back home. There was like millions of people on the street. And it was like, every time I listened to this song, I was, I'm back with the memory in that moment, exactly that moment, you know, we were following the, the mood, you know, and, uh, but the whole story about that is the amplifier, is the movement of the song, the way Lurie picks the, 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 the distortion and the, the movement in the song. It's like a painting, you know, and, uh, and that, that's very important because it reminds me the moment me and Lou Reed, we were talking at like three in the morning, completely fucked up, like with like drinking and uh, like, and at one point I was talking about bolito misto, not boil. And I was saying like, with all my passion, no, no, it's impossible. The people, they cannot, you know, they have to understand that boiling the meat into the water is the worst thing you can do to protect the, and save the quality of this meat and all this. And he, I said, stop. He looked at me and he said, stop. He looked on the side. He, he, he talks. He, 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 he was like with the, and he was talking with the band and he said, hey, guys, this man can understand about my passion for amplifier. And the obsession <laughs> is the obsession for his amplifier is my obsession with my cuisine. And uh, you know, this kind of relation was like something really, really special in, uh, in my life. Deep connection. Deep connection. Now, you are also one of the great artists who was able to take inspiration from a song and do a direct translation into a plate of food and yeah. keep on five from five from straight no chaser. Yeah. Not only did you take the inspiration, but you created a plate of the year. What what was it about the song? What's the plate you made? How do you draw those parallels? No, it's like uh, every time I most of the time when I come back, I'm so full of adrenaline that I can I cannot go back straight to bed. Uh, and uh, so what I do. We have a room, a music room. It was a TV room, was that? We transformed into a music room uh, that keeps evolving all the time. Um, and during this pandemic, evolves a lot, uh, evolved a lot. So, uh, and I, you know, relax. You know, I pick the things that really in that moment, I feel to listen just before going to bed. Could be Tom Waits, could be, you know, whatever. That night, it was Telani Smok. And uh, I was so into that song and that, that uh, vinyl that was like, okay, okay. I Sitting in the dark? No, sitting in the dark. In the dark. Were, I was thinking about how to transform uh, like a key piano note, uh, the, the black chord with a chord with a black um, crust, uh, and you know, I don't know what's, what was going on, but I was thinking, okay, if Monk can, could explain that kind of feeling, 
in the darkness, I can really transform into edible bites. And uh, we did it. And I did it, uh, you know, getting I remember into, you told me, yeah. though, that that dish, when he first explained it, was he was sitting in a dark room listening to this very dark music and heavy and thinking about um, everything that the Thelonious Monk represented. And he wanted to do a dish that was black on black because he wanted the diner not to see anything, but almost be blinded and just use the palate to distinguish what they were eating. So this black squid katsubushi broth, the um, black cod with a black crust on top. And only when you break the cod, do you see the white, like the black and white of the keyboard. So there was this moment of kind of trying to almost be in the darkness and let your flavors guide you. Yeah. Like, and that is in the, in the same uh, short video that we have, that is called, uh, We Are the Revolution. Um, uh, there's also a, a, a transformation of world video that he was filming for 11 hours uh, the Empire State the Building, Empire State building yes. in a snowy day. So yeah. it's like, uh, it, it was a very, very, very creative, uh, amazing uh, moment, you know? So Chef, and I, I'm sure we could listen to you and Laura talk about music for hours, but there's many, <laughs> many more from people when you get to. Um, the last, the last one you sent us uh, was Bob Dylan and his latest record. Yeah. And what I find interesting is that you could have picked any Dylan record. I know. I know. I know. But, that's why you picked the last one. And that's and that's important because and also we all know that by this time around he could make a Bob Dylan record. He wouldn't have to push. We'd all be happy. We'd all be excited about it. So at that level of artistry, and I think also at the level of you and Laura do, who continue to push where there are no equals or no one telling you to, how do you see his work reflective in yours uh, to continue pushing yourself? And, and what did you find in that record that continued to redefine him that he needed this record now in his canon that otherwise would have been incomplete? First of all, it's extremely important that after so long, he decided to come out with a record in such a crazy situation, like with the one that we were living. Yeah. Everything that was happening in that moment, the old uh, Mr. Floyd uh, I problem and uh, the, the way that uh, Trump handled the pandemic, it, it, was, it, it was United States really need his savior. He is poet and he came out and he spoke and he spoke for everyone. And I, well, look, I'm goosebump. I'm goosebump in the meantime, I'm speaking with you. And uh, you know, there's no special effect, nothing except his, uh, you know, his voice that is changing again for, a, for another time. And is, uh, it's all about the big tradition of blues and country and uh, the poetry with the, that talks about the fragments of his soul. And uh, it sounds like uh, he talks about, he's reflecting about uh, life and death, or a, a little bit right. like, like uh, uh, Damien Ernst, but you know, in a totally different way. And, and uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's about uh, and uh, in the moment it was like um, I have here like the things that is like 
today, uh, uh, today and tomorrow, uh, and yesterday too, the flowers are dying like all things do, you know? But after that, you have, uh, you have uh, the, the another, another sentence that is say, I'm a man of contradiction. I'm a man of many moods. I contain multitudes. So the idea that uh, is like immediately you have the immediate approach about Dylan and uh, and think uh, he's talking about himself. He's turning eighty. Is blah blah blah. But, it's, but it's not. He's thinking about the future because he's talking about that in a general way. But he's thinking about the future as exactly like I like us. You know, yes. I'm yes. like I'm here in the middle of pandemic, taking care of 103 um, of my 20, 25 years old from all over the world. And, uh, you know, I have to take care of those people, but also I have to uh, make visible the future for them. And so I keep investing for in the future, new yeah. project, new idea, new menus. You know, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how, um, how the minds of creative people, you know, works, especially in this kind of situation, like the minds of the creative minds, uh, the world needs the creative minds in these moments. And, they get and that's why that's why we create a brand new menu right now, inspired by Surgeon Pepper's Lonely Art Club Band, but it's called With a Little Help From My Friends. And for the first time, a chef is, is saying to the whole team, Okay, guys, come up with me. Come on stage. We all gonna do a menu together, and with the friends are my my team, and I need my team, and I need the cultural biodiversity of each one of them in such a moment. So uh, it's all about this. We needed them. They needed us to need them. They needed us to be calling out and saying, "We need you up here with us." They they. They needed that invitation to get out of their homes, their isolation, their uh, fears about the future. And so that whole menu was created just to have them there with us. Um, amazing. Well, listen, I, I want to end on one note, uh, one question inspired from uh, Austin Gambino, who's joining us. The future of food, when we all get back out to restaurants and pairing it with music, do you see this as when a, a dish goes down, hearing a song and tying the, the the taste senses to the audio senses. Are you going to be doing that? Do you see a future there? I'm, uh, I have, uh, you know, every single place that we have, uh, they have uh, their own music. So I pick all the songs and the music I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, that we are playing in the, in the, in the restaurants. Uh, if you ask me, what are you doing every day in the kitchen in Osteria Francescana? I'm, I'm answering, compress into edible bites my passion, that is music and art, sitting on centuries of history because it's deeply Italian, my cuisine, my way of cooking, filter by a contemporary mind. That means that I'm a looking at the past in a critic way, never in a nostalgic one to bring the best from the past into the future. So a song can really, um, like in Osteria Franciscana, you sit and you, you, it's all about jazz. It's all about, you know. Improvisation. Improvisation. 
you can, if you are a great chef, you can improvise, but you cannot improvise to be a great chef. So that's a, a very important thing to, to think. But, um, you know, when you talk with people about jazz, you have always uh, talk about, oh, so what do you like about things? Oh, I love Charlie Parker. I love Dizzy Gillespie. And then you go home and, uh, and you say, okay, show me some of your collection. And what they pick, kind of blue by Miles Davis. I said, what, you know, you know, I'm saying this because if you really are into music, you have to really fight for that. You will fight for a solo, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a solo of Charlie Parkin, the most distortion, you know, and, and you are eating and you have to listen to that kind of stuff because it's exactly the distortion that is in my food. Sometimes there are mistakes. They are there that put you in a kind of uh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable position. position, but you taste it and the old world is opening. So maybe someday we'll connect the food with the music directly in that way. For now, no. I'm not sure our guests are no. quite ready for that because maybe the music one. we would choose is a little you know, too. An artist, a musician, a, a chef, a writer, a poet. They have to be, you know, they have to de do the all things. What I, I love about art is not about the, what I see. It's about the idea behind that. I care about that idea. So I pick the idea, I steal the idea. And the idea is becoming mine because I'm transforming the, that idea into something that is mine. So this is very important. Picasso was saying, uh, copy yourself is the very sterile exercise. Stealing from the others is necessary. Yep. So that's the... Beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Well, it was Thanks great seeing both so of you. Thank, Thank you, guys. Good to see you again. And and well, what I can, we I can wait. You. I can what wait to go you? back. You know, have some dinner together in New York. Yes, Robert, I want to see all of you in, 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 in or in, in Modena or in the refectorio in New York in or, or San Francisco. We'll see you there, Chef and Larry. Charlie, good to see you too. Bye. Bye, Charlie. Jacket on, and so long I can't see your eyes. Dance like strangers in the dark. It's been so long I wanna see your eyes. Slowly we become completely numb. We've lost ourselves inside this shell. In the night, you and me. Separately, are you coming home with me? Are you coming home? You told me you think that I'm the one. I'm the one. Every day you wanna see my face. See my face. The truth is that I'm too young. I'm too young. Let's relax and take some space.
My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to Cheeselandia.com. Welcome back to the show. We have Niall and Via from Drama here with us in studio and Snacky Tunes. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We are big fans of you two and have been listening for well over last year. So we are excited to have you on and playing for us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So Via, you actually went to culinary school when you were living out in Hollywood. How did you end up there and what what took you on that path? Um, I've been cooking since I was maybe like nine years old. Uh, My parents were in a reggae band and there wasn't a lot of time. Um, most of the time to cook because they were like rehearsing or on tour and so I just started cooking and so when I came of age to like you know start deciding what I was going to do with my life they were like well, why don't you go to culinary school and I was like hmm, that's a good idea and so when I was like 16 instead of going to like high school I went to culinary school because I was like homeschooled up until then and they enrolled me in a holistic nutrition program in Berkeley and I graduated from that when I was 17. And then when I was done with that, my dad was like, well, if you really want to do this, you should just keep going until you're ready to, like, open a restaurant. And so he put me in another culinary school in Hollywood and, you know, graduated from there and just kind of started working in restaurants. What was the name of the culinary schools? Uh, Le Cordon Bleu. It was right off of Sunset. And what year was I think this? they changed it. Yeah, what year was this? And what, um, what was the culinary scene 2009. out? 2009. Oh, okay. 2009. Yeah, 2009. So kind of not the beginning, but toward, close to the beginning of what we are currently experiencing in the modern food scene. Yeah, I guess so. 
Uh, what were some of the things that you learned in culinary school that you felt applied to your music making? Hmm. Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe having to make recipes. Um, but even then, my music wasn't as structured as my recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like I kind of kept those worlds separate for a long time. Were you performing when you were in culinary school? Oh, no. I didn't start doing shows until I was like 24 or so. Maybe at the end of my first show when I was like 24. So was I didn't want to be on stage anymore. I was like, I had started off in, uh, in theater when I was little. And so I was doing a lot of plays and doing like sound and prop design and stage design for uh, a company called Zachary Scott Theater in Austin, Texas. And so I, I really, I honestly, I don't remember what happened. I just know that something happened and I did not want to be on stage anymore. And so I never planned on getting back on stage again. And um, the music just kind of, led me back to the stage. <laughs> what was what was the defining moment that got you back to the stage and, and out of the kitchen? And, and did you really feel that you were going to go on the path to become a chef, open a restaurant, create your own menus, cook for a living? Uh, well, I, I never really knew that I was going to do that. That was just something that um, I knew came with being a chef. And everyone kind of expected me to open a restaurant. They were just kind of like, oh, well, you're a chef, so when are you going to open your restaurant? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. But um, I don't think I ever really wanted to open a restaurant, like, really. It was just, like, a nice idea, um, especially after I got out of culinary school and all my teachers scared the crap out of me. Like, you want to commit suicide? Don't open a restaurant right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But um, So it's like, I'll take the other, sh- I'll take the other sure thing. I'll become a musician. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still worked in restaurants, though, because it was, you know, the only training that I really had. I didn't. I didn't have musical training and I didn't go to like college or middle school or like high school or anything. The only thing that I've ever learned is cooking and then like, you know, being homeschooled, I learned like simple math and history and stuff like that. But I was not paying attention. I was just like doing essays on chipmunks and stuff, <laughs> like whatever I wanted to learn about. But um, I didn't like take music serious, serious until I moved to Chicago. Before then, it was just kind of something that I did on my journey to becoming the best chef in the world. <laughs> and now you, you own three restaurants uh, alongside being a producer, right? Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. And um, I I one's in San Francisco and two in Illinois. How did you come to uh, own these restaurants and where did the <laughs> concepts come from? And they're, they're across the board too. It's Mediterranean, uh, South, America, South American, and, and Mexican. Yeah. Um so, while at some point in my music career, I wanted to like diversify a little bit. So, after 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 I finished a couple of projects, I was working on some projects, and then I was like, I'm kind of like, you know, like I w- I don't want to say like I lost passion, but I just needed something else to do um, at this little like transition period. Because I was like, you know what, music is cool. You know, I've done really well. I want to try to see if I can, you know, tackle tackle something new, and that's what I did. And I had an opportunity. Um, I got a phone call, and it was like, "Hey, we're opening up a restaurant. Would you would you be interested, you know, in being like fifty percent owner?" So I was like, "Yeah, sure, absolutely, man." Well, and then I got into the restaurant business, and for some reason, I felt I feel like the restaurant business and the and the music business are very much alike. It's they're probably the most difficult fields to get into and to like 
maintain and you know and to do. Um, so I started off uh, work. I started off in the um, the first one was a South American restaurant, and then um, like a, two years later, I there was another opportunity to open up a Mediterranean restaurant, and so I jumped on that right away. And I came up with, you know, with a lot of the recipes and the concepts. And then I got another opportunity. I got a phone call. Um, somebody wanted me to consult them on a restaurant in San Francisco. And they, I ended up being a partner with them after everything was said and done. So and what that was, was like Mexican fusion food. And so, like, what I did was me and Via were working on drama stuff. And I was like, hey, uh, you're a chef. Why don't you come, you know, help me out? And we started working to, together on it. And... Now we have an amazing restaurant in San Francisco. <laughs> what was it about your background uh, that prompted that first phone call? Did, did your family own restaurants, or did they just think that you had a creative eye and they knew that you would be good for the culinary world? Um, I'm more of a businessman. I know how to build teams, and so like, like my thing is that I, I don't like I'll do anything it takes not to fail. Like I'll do whatever. Like I'll work, you know, 24 hours in a day if I have to, you know. And I'll do whatever it takes. But like when I got that phone call, I was like, "Hey, this is a good opportunity. I can go ahead and you know learn, and I can you know figure this out." I didn't realize how how hard it was until I got into it. You know, <laughs> I've heard it was you know it's very hard business. It's it's a very difficult business. But I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and take a stab at it." And I was still doing music. Like it wasn't like I stopped. I had I had a studio, and I was still booking um, with artists and doing like recordings and mixing and engineering records. But I would like work at the restaurant during the day and then work on music stuff during the night. But I just did it, you know, like I wanted to, to explore other, other fields. And so I just invested my money and then that was it. And since you work on music together and also you work on a restaurant together, is there any difference in the creative process in creating a dish or creating a song? Um, there are similarities to working in the restaurant. I mean, it teaches you about patience. It teaches you about, um, just dealing with certain things and that does kind of apply it does fall over into into making music and you know and, and producing a project so just organization being a team player you know like as as the group is getting bigger more people are being involved so it's just knowing how to, to like delegate and be able to, to work with certain people and keep things moving in a positive way you know right if, if you can get food out on the table that's consistent and good you can definitely help manage a tour Exactly. Absolutely. So, so I mean, like with my, with me, like with me, it's like nothing's impossible. You know, I, I, I uh, you know, I do whatever it takes to get the the job done. You know, and a lot of it has to do with not having any pride. Honestly, it's like saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put my pride aside. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that this is a successful, um, you know, a successful project or like outcome or whatever it may be. Can we hear a song? Yeah. What are you going to play for Absolutely. us first? Uh, we're going to play Fuck Dave. Okay. Well, here we are with Drama live on Snacky Tunes. Loving you is cold. Loving you is lonely. Loving you is pointless. Loving you is holding me. Loving you is cold, loving you is lonely. 
Now, uh, one of the things that I thought was most interesting uh, when you were young and, and early in your production career, Nicholas Jar told you that you should really release your own music. I'm very curious. What does a Nicholas Jar pep talk sound like? <laughs> it's very short. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, um, I met him through a mutual friend, uh, Summy, and he wanted to get us together. At the time, I was working on Acid Rap, the Chance Rapper project, and uh, he played at Soundbar or Spy Bar here in Chicago. And I'm like, I don't really go out much. So I was like, hey, man, you know, like, I'm going to go hear this guy play. I hear so much hype about this guy. So I, when I saw him play, he came by my office the next day. And we talked for about maybe an hour to two, two hours. And I was just showing him music, you know. And then he, he just he like looked at me. He's like, how come you don't put your own records out? And I looked at, my, I looked at him. I was like, honestly, I really don't know. I just never looked at myself of putting like my just music out, you know, just under my name. I've o- I've like always worked under someone else, either you know a rapper, a label, you know whatever, like whoever hires me, like kind of thing, you know. But like I rarely took on, like I I I never thought about becoming an artist, really, you know. Like I was I, I was an artist, but not like an artist to go out there and tour like what I'm doing now. Um, but he was just like he's like, how can we put your records out? And I was like, that's not a fucking bad idea. And so it was just him saying that because I really liked his set the night before and I saw that he like he like he went on stage, he played these records. I was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm like I can do something like this and then I just did it. It sounds like both of you were reluctant to become stars or musicians with yourselves at the forefront. Do you think that's what drew each other to drew yourselves to each other or that's the commonality found in how you created this group? I think that it definitely makes it easier for me to be working with someone who also doesn't necessarily want to be like, you know, in the spotlight or a megastar and doesn't really care about all the flashy things that most people get in the music industry for. Like when I was younger, being a musician wasn't like glorified for me. It wasn't something that like I 
woke up and thought, I'm going to be a superstar and dance in front of the mirror and prance around and pretend I'm on stage. Like, I didn't want anything to do with being on tour and having to deal with musicians wanting more money and, like, you know, festival producers not paying you at the end of the day. Like, I saw the worst of the worst when it came to my experiences, like, watching musicians grow. And so when it came to my turn, people were like, I want to do, I'm going to go to South by and move to LA. I'm like, why are you doing that? And it just didn't make any sense. When I met Niall and he wanted to start a group, I was like, all right, well, you're going to be on stage with me. <laughs> and he was like, no. I was like, yes, now we can both not really want to do this, but we're going to do it. <laughs> what, I mean, what are your pep talks or what are your pre-show rituals uh, to get each other psyched up to be on a place that you don't necessarily want to be? We call each other potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, I mean, we just motivate each other. Say, so like, you ready? You know, like, yeah. let's, let's just do whatever we have to do. I mean, honestly, it's really hard to like gauge. You know, like when you're on stage, like you don't, you know, like you want to give it your all, and you you want to you look at the crowd to see if they're feeling it. You know, and it, it's still to, to this day to me shocking when we go to these shows. Like New York was sold out. I was like, I can't believe. These many people came out to, to see us. To see us play, it still shocks me, you know. Yeah. I think once, like all of the, the anxiety and the fear and the not really wanting, not really wanting to do it, is only before and after. Like once I think we're actually on stage, it's a whole different world. It's just kind of like, oh, we're just up here hanging out, environment, and it's actually a lot of fun. And then afterwards, you're like, oh my gosh, can't believe I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> It's, ready for bed. <laughs> it's, it's like another part of your brain takes over. You're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to right. do it. You it's black out. I get so nervous right before I go, I go on stage. Like, I oh just don't want to shake it's sometimes. It's the worst. I, 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 this might be I use the bathroom like every five seconds, and our tour manager gets so upset because he's literally having to like to walk me through the crowd to get back to the, to the bathroom sometimes. I'm like, I can't help it. I'm so nervous. <laughs> You'll know that you've achieved a next level when your green room has a bathroom and you don't have to cut through the crowd. <laughs> And it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You're like, um, like the, my writer is a green room. Sucks. Yeah, my writer is a green room yeah, with a bathroom. Is a green room in the bathroom, <laughs> and an actual green room, please, one that allows actual greens. <laughs> Can we hear right. another song? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What are you gonna play for us? Uh, this one, we're gonna play Low Tide. Low Tide, keeping it chill. <laughs> I'm not just anybody No, my love won't be taken down by a bullet And I've tried everything But I'm best at disappearing And your love used to bring out the best in me And now I'll be dying when I am reminded Love to remind me That you, you're too cool to fall in love You're too smooth to get caught up in something You can't walk away from Don't walk away from me And I know it's safer to believe 
have a new ep come out called lies after love uh, you talk about it being a much more formal process than the previous record what was the approach and what did you learn from the last time and and what did you do differently on this one mm, i think things um we kind of went into it the same exact way we, we went into gallows <laughs> the, the thing with us is like we continuously like make music so we just work on music and then eventually it starts to piece itself together. Yeah. The conversations we have outside of making the music piece the actual project together because the project's always based on our actual lives. <laughs> like, it's, it's always that. So the music comes first, and then, you know, piecing together everything else comes after. But I think the one thing that changed with this would be that... Well, I can say that for Niall, because Niall spends 50 hours on all the songs, no matter what. But <laughs> so, like, we both, you know, took a little more time with, with the songs on this one and, like, each individual song and, like, going back and recording things and changing, like, bass lines or drum patterns and as opposed to the first one with just, like, lots of freestyles and first takes and, you know, just going with the flow. Do you ever, are you ever in the, pro- working together on making a recipe and you have to stop because you find song inspiration or vice versa? Um, I don't really thought about that actually. No, we, we keep a lot of it separate. Yeah. Like, even though we might talk about the thing, like we, we'll be doing music and we talk about like how we have restaurants, we'll be doing restaurants and like playing our music at the restaurant, but we never are like at the restaurant talking about rehearsal or at rehearsal talking about the restaurant. I'm and sure. that's just like an emergency. Yeah. We get a phone call at the music video, and we're like, we have to fly to San Francisco right now. Yeah. <laughs> which has happened before. <laughs> yeah, which has definitely happened before. <laughs> but it's not too much of like, you know. But my notebook is definitely filled with recipes on one page and song lyrics on the other. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait a second. These lyrics are actually just a chicken adobo <laughs> recipe. I'm so sorry. Yeah, an English pea soup with cardamom actually would be perfect with this song right now. <laughs> I've always... Thought uh, you knew everyone knows about the car test for playing your music, but I've actually never heard about the restaurant test. Do you play your songs or tracks in the restaurant just to see people's reactions? Oh yeah, before yeah. You yeah. all the time. Really? All the time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All the time. 
And people walk in and they're, they're eating and they come up to it and they're like, oh, what are you guys playing right now? I'm like, oh, this band drama. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty good. Like, you should check them out. <laughs> Do you ever, have, has there been any tracks that you were both split on? Like, should it make it on the P or not? And you play it and it, it didn't make the cut because people's reactions were mm, subpar? Um, I've played some songs live prior um, and just, just to kind of gauge, you know, but for the most part, I mean, either it goes like on this EP or it goes like on a future EP, you know, like I don't, we really make music like we just don't like, you know, like how Beyonce like makes like a thousand songs before she, she does her album. Like we make songs, but like they're, they, the majority of time go on a project always yeah. for the most part, you know, I would say like maybe 75 or 80% of the songs that we make don't go wasted yeah. at all. Why, why do you think that is, or what do you think it is about the process that just gets those songs out there as opposed to, you know, you hear people make, like you said, you know, hunt a record and scrap the record and start over and no one will ever yeah. hear it. Yeah. I think we, when we go in, it's like we're, we're, we're working. Like we're going to create music that we're like, we don't have a lot of time to waste yeah. between all the restaurants and, you know, the recipes and like maintaining. I mean, we, we really are traveling a lot for both music and for, like, business stuff, you know? Um, so, like, when we work, it's, like, we really, really work. There's no, like, playing around, you know? And I think a lot of the... I'm not saying, like, a lot of artists, but, like, I'm sure, like, a lot of artists, there's a lot more leisure, you know? Like, when we work, we're in the studio for 12 hours or 8 hours, whatever, and we're actually working on records, you and know? And just us. We don't have, like, an entourage of yeah. people with bottles and, like, people smoking and coming in and out of the yeah. studio. there's no, there's no like, entourage. When we turn on the computer to work, like, we close the doors and... We just, you know, kind of shut the world out. And we really focused on making, like, a good record. We're not, I'm not just, like, getting in there talking about, you know, what color shoes I have on and how much money is in my wallet right now. I'm, like, thinking about... It's a job. Impactful, you know. Essentially, messages. essentially, I mean, when I think about it, I mean, I, I know the word job is has, like, a negative kind of, like, thing to it, but it's, yeah. it's a job, you know, and you and you have to treat it as such if you're serious about it, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I'm able to run three restaurants and a digital agency and still tour and make music, you know, um, it's just, you have to dedicate yourself. And that's something that you, you have to remind yourself every day. I mean, you can waste time and we all waste time as, as humans, you know, but if you focus on the goal and you dedicate your time towards that goal, there's no reason why you can't achieve it. You know, but my biggest thing is, is when someone says, I have, I have no time. It's like the that's like the biggest insult, honestly. You can insult yourself with saying, "Well, I don't have any time," and this is that's the reason why I, I couldn't accomplish what I want to to accomplish. And it's like, come on, man, that's a cop out, you know. Speaking of packing things in, you have a tour coming up in June. Where are you hitting? West Coast. Yeah, the West Coast again. They love us. And the West Coast for a couple of shows, and then in September we're going to the Middle East to play. And to actually work with uh, in a refugee camp um, in Bethlehem, uh, V and I are going to work with with some of the youth and kind of you know give them inspiration that there's more than their surrounding living situation at the moment. You know, how did that come to be? Um, I I did a workshop last year with this, with uh, with an organization, and they brought me out to, to work with the kids, and then they just emailed me actually not too too long ago and they're like hey we want you to come back and so i tied in and we're like we we're already going to perform in palestine anyways so i tied in this with it as well so you know we try to just maximize on all of our time that we're there so, is, the, is the king of maximizing time yeah i'm talking like there's no downtime you know what i feel we're gonna miss our airplanes sometimes like no, all the time no, no. 
No, you, there just <laughs> yeah, there's always, you know, we have structure and <laughs> we try to waste no, no time and try to, you know, maximize on what, what we have to do. Yeah. Make the best out of it. Incredible. Well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song, but where can people find you? Listen to the EPs, check out your tour dates. Um, you can find us on the drama duo.com. Yeah, the, the drama duo, or you go to Spotify and type in drama. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, YouTube, the yeah. whole. The and it's whole all the same. Look up the drama duo. Yeah, or or drama yeah. Chicago, either one. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we want to thank Chef Diane for being on the show as well. Thank you to Drama for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Snacky Tunes. What is the name of the last song you're going to play for us? Safe House. Amazing. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. the pool.
This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.